We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We're actually podcasting. It was an adventure just getting here tonight. <laughs> I can't believe this. Uh, my, my, my Lancer, which did really well in the snow, is currently stuck in your unplowed driveway. I like you said, it did really well in the snow. It did really well. Until it got to my driveway. It's currently stuck <clears> in your unplowed driveway where there's about uh, two feet of unpacked snow. Because, and it's uh, still snowing. Because it has snowed like crazy today. But, but here's, here's what's happened to get me over here today that was awesome. About 4 o'clock today... I happen to be in Salt Lake, yeah. and my wife calls to tell me that all of my up here in, in Park City, all of my son's after-school activities were all canceled. Oh, you're kidding me? She because had, of the snow? She had Park a, City. Uh, athletic class to teach snow. tonight. Uh, nobody showed up. Really? We, we got to the end of that batten down the hatches thing. And, and again, look, it's Utah, <laughs> folks. It snows every year. Yeah. This I'm, is not like, oh, it hasn't snowed here in I'm six years. I'm glad we're getting like, a good snow We're getting a great year. snow. When I left my house to come here, it was that thick, wet snow that looks like somebody just kind of chewed up paper and threw it outside. Parmesan flakes, the huge ones. The huge ones, yes. It's that that kind of look. Coming down really wet and nasty. And and even the highways, which they plow here really, really well, still had Mm -hmm. no lane markers. You couldn't see anything. It was just we're driving in the white. And I'm going very conservatively in the Lancer. I'm thinking about breaking distances and going slow and all that kind of stuff. And Which, I'm, I'm still passing to, people. To you and I, conservative I'm still driving in the winter is yeah. booking past everybody else. And, and then you have those great <laughs> moments where you feel like Ken Block, even though you're really not. But, but, but leaving, Nobody's Ken, but Ken. Exactly. But leaving the light when I got off the freeway here by your place, <laughs> I had the world's most amazing slow motion drift. Did you? In front of three pl- snow plows, by the way. They were stopped at the light, and I came through, through, the, through the light Good completely sideways. Good completely sideways. Snow coming off all four tires, corrected, kept going, upshifted. I mean, feels this is good. Huh? It feels amazing. <laughs> I, this is how I know that I have a problem. Because when everybody else cannot wait to park their car and get out, I'm like, I get to go driving. I got so excited about coming over here. driving in snow. I got so excited about it. Oh, so my gosh. if you are as diseased as we are, welcome to the Car Debate Podcast because we have so much car discussion tonight. In fact, so much, we've gone to one car debate and the entire back half is going to be questions because you guys had so many amazing questions today. Paul and I both looked at our list and went, we got to do something. So we're going to do a ton of questions. Yeah, this is going to be fun. All right. Well, uh, the Grand Tour Season 3 actually starts today as of this podcast. Happy Friday. Yes. Yeah. Pretty yes. cool. We've been waiting for this one. and. Uh, I've seen the trailers. I'm sure everybody else has too. And this is going to be pretty interesting. I mean, yep. the guys are doing their thing. So let's let's have at it. I'm, I'm ready for that. Well, and technically, you may have watched it yesterday. Because the way it happens is it, it drops at like 8 o'clock Friday in England. But it's true, the same time true. worldwide. So it's like midnight in the U.S. You can watch it Thursday night. So maybe you Good can point. watch it Thursday night. Good point. But uh, it is Happy Friday. Hopefully, you're going to watch the Grand Tour. Hopefully, tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, you're going to watch our show. On the Motor Trend Network. That's right. That's right. That's happening on Motor Trend. This is the two Mustangs piece, the uh, stock versus resto mod Mustang. And then next week is Moab. And then it's Z06 is starting the brand new Season 7 content coming up quick. Yeah, it is. I just want to take a moment to interrupt about Barrett-Jackson. And I know it kind of mm. dates the podcast, but it doesn't because of a particular car that I sold, that I saw sell and went across the auction block. Okay, okay. What'd you see? And it's along the lines of 911s. You know how they're going up in value and did for a long time? time Mm -hmm. i just watched a 93 ford mustang svt cobra r red okay fox body mustang 93 is that that's the little four-cylinder turbo from the 90s right well this it it was it was yes it was but not the cobra r was not okay all right this one sold for $120,000 oh wait oh oh no 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 no, cobra r i know what you're talking about now and still no no, no. We've I'm, reached that place. I guess we have. No, this is the five liter in in the Cobra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this is definitely Cobra. Liter. I'm with you. I'm 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 envisioning it now. Yes. I looked it up. I just it had low miles. It it had like 500 miles on it or something. Which means this car is designed to go from one auction to the next to the next. Well, most of these cars are designed specifically and <laughs> built specifically for auctions, so the owner can buy it for later and worth. hang on to it. And then auction it again. I guess. Did you see there was, a, along these lines, there was a Jalopnik article in the last couple of days. Uh, a while back, there was a like really low mile, like almost delivery mile uh, Supra, unmolested Supra oh, from the yeah. 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everyone saw that. Sold for 160 grand. But then now Jalopnik is saying that some dealer bought it and they're trying to resell it for a half million. 
We've reached the place. Uh-huh. But 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 here's yeah. the the auction reality. It's a it's a moving band across history, mm-hmm. where it's the nostalgia band, and as as <laughs> as different generations of of car people get to a certain age I where they have so. money and they look back, that band has now reached the nineties. That was twenty five thirty years ago now, and so we're all lusting after the cars we couldn't afford when. And I would like a pristine one. And oh, there's one, and I have money. And so, look, I'm going to buy a Fox Body five liter Mustang for a hundred and something thousand dollars because I'm not thinking clearly. But nostalgia. <laughs> it's. I wonder if it's the high school band. If it's the, it is. It the is. high school it's the nostalgia high school. era yes. that is now moving across with now the people exactly who have money is. to be able to buy the car. It's the high school, early college oh. swath. That's exactly what it is. Because that's when – I'll give you a great it example. It happened to 911s. Totally. Well, it's happened to all the muscle cars, and they're mm-hmm. still going up. But, but hang on. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, oh, it man. was the cars from the 40s, 50s. They were going uh-huh. across auction blocks, and it was like, why are they getting this money? Who's buying those cars now? I'll tell you. Nobody. Because the people Holy that cow. The, the, I hate to say it this way, the people that cared about those cars are now dead. <laughs> Honestly, okay, the car well or or close so. or close. They're, you know what sure. I'm saying? Yeah. So so that's but I'm saying when they were in the high school in the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're either dead or no longer driving. I mean, let's be honest. Okay, it's true. And so then you move through the 60s and 70s muscle cars. When I was in high school, I remember when my dad will not stop. Will not stop talking about the 1960 Corvette that when he was in high school Are you serious? a guy had one and it's 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 like my dad's only car story. <laughs> Everybody has a car story from high school though. So, Many people have multiple. So you know now that he's seen the American original Corvette film and really enjoyed it, I've heard the story at least two more times. Oh my gosh. But think about the time of his life. He was in high school, he knew a guy in early college mm-hmm. that had a 1960 Corvette and in my father's mind and, and he's not alone in this at all. We're all we're all this person. In my father's mind, that is the grandest supercar ever. And he know, and he intellectually he knows. He watched the Corvette film. We talked about it. He knows it's not, but it will always be for him. I I'm just shocked. Now th- this particular car is rare. The '93 Cobra R. There were only 107 of these cars built. This one's number 11. Red with it's, black wheels. It's auction fodder. I get super it. Super low it. Yeah, miles. Yeah. The 5-liter SVT, 5-speed manual, just over 500 actual miles. And you know it spent its entire life just driving across auction, auction blocks. Probably. It's never seen a Probably. track. It's never seen any of that. Probably sat Which in some guy's garage his entire me. life. I agree with you. Like That's most the of these of cars. Because the I, I see cool cars and I think. Mm-hmm. And the other funny thing is, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's an auction thing or a an American auction thing, but a BMW M3, like the, you know, an 88 M3 will cross the block and the auctioneers are sort of going, what, what's this then? I, I guess it's a, um, European car here. According to the paper here, this was a BMW. Yeah. And, uh, I, I guess, uh, people are interested in these. It's an American auction thing. All of us are freaking out because, you know, it just sold for 30 grand, Mm. an E30 M3 with low Did it go that low? I, it in wasn't this time around, but I did see a black one with low mileage sell for about $33,000. And I went, yeah, I, can I? Uh, yeah, uh, I hear you completely. And then, you know, a Chevy 2 from 19, you know, the 60s. It comes across the block and then everybody foams at the mouth. And yeah, like, it's interesting. Really? It? Like, but but okay. it's it's a bit of the market we're talking about in the it's auction we're talking so about. It's just so funny to me yeah, that, that a Corvette crossed the block and they're just... You know, they know everything about the paint code and the way the pinstripe should line up and what the badge actually meant on the engine code. And, <laughs> and then the M3, they're just shaking their heads. There's an M3. It's, it's pretty it funny. Is. It's got a propeller on the hood. I, I don't understand. We're not sure about is. what this European car is, but apparently people like them, I guess. Wow. We should, we should try to do a car debate, shall we? We should. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into the debate from Scott C. He is in Jacksonville, Florida, looking up at the summit of Mustang Mountain is how he describes it. <laughs> okay. It's kind of funny. He's in right. this, do I make a change to my fun daily driver, my mm-hmm. fun car? Mm-hmm. He's a college professor out in Jacksonville. He says he's got an awesome wife who allows for his poor decision-making. <laughs> that is the perfect marriage right there. I tolerate <laughs> you in spite of that. That's really what that is. I just You go off and be spite that. spite of the disease. That, this is what happens in marriages anyway. You have those kind of lines where you draw where you're just like, I don't like that about you, and I'm just going to let that happen. That's, that's just going to continue, and we're going to be okay. All right, here he is with a 2016 Mustang GT CS red five-liter manual, 36,000 miles, mm-hmm. and he owes 20 grand on it. Okay. 
He's also got a 2014 Mazda 2 Sport. This is his wife's car, 32,000 miles. Yeah. And then he's got a pickup truck, 92 GMC Sierra, 1500, 5.7 liter, short bed, short cab. All of his cars are red. Notice actually. that. Apparently you like red cars. I actually applaud you for having cars of color. And, you know, even that Mazda 2 is interesting, you know? Yeah. Seriously, that, that's it. It's, this it's is a, a well tiny fun car. It's a little tiny runabout. This is a well-curated yeah. garage. You spe- you specifically went out and have these cars in these colors, and I applaud you. The, the truck is going nowhere. We're debating about, should he get rid of this Mustang? It's a 2016 GT. It's not an old car. <laughs> but he's wondering about going a little higher. So the story here is that he married, made a terrible mistake. I don't see this as a mistake, by the way. It's all a matter of perspective. <laughs> it is. But yeah. He went to the BMW M driving school over the summer, had a lot of fun on the Spartanburg track with virtually every M car, mainly the M2. And now that this has infected him, yeah. he said, I'm on the hunt. I'm looking at used GT350s, 2019 bullet Mustangs, used M2s. What do I do? All my friends have RS5s, Challengers. His dad has an 06 Chevy SSR 6-liter manual. Everybody's got something hot. Not that you don't. But he wants something more unique and higher in the food chain. Mm Mm-hmm. I can than see a, that. Than a 2016 Mustang. That's <laughs> really what's that. happened. And he drove that M2 and has now had his kind of eyes opened, if you will, to different handling dynamics or a company that has approached cars differently. Let's put it that way. He's had Mustangs. And now he's looking at a completely different approach to front wheel, uh, front wheel steering, rear wheel drive, front engine sports car, mm-hmm. but very different in feel. And it's made him go, wait a minute, what's going on? Was it Janis Joplin that sang the, the little ditty, my friends all drive Porsches, I must make amends? Was it Janis? Don't think so. No, that, was that? That, was, uh, that was Patty. I, it's, it's country. It's country. It's not Janis Joplin. She was song. far too rocker for that, but we can find it. Oh, yeah. All right. Somebody knows instantly, and I'm, I'm scratching my head. But you know the song, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Lord. I, Won't You Buy Me a Mercedes-Benz <laughs> Mercedes was the song. Benz. Yes, and, and, and we can Google it while we sit here, but keep yeah, going. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that that's what Scott's feeling right now. Mm-hmm. But he wants something unique, like I say, unique and hotter. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm uh, actually shopping for you, Scott. Good. And I do love that you went to the M school. I do love it that. It is Janice Joplin. I am wrong. It's Janice, right? You are right, and I am wrong. I thought I'm it was. sorry. I thought it was more country than her, but there it is. Okay. It might have been adopted by other country singers, but I, I thought it was Janice. All right. Bravo to you. Bravo to you. It was sorry. this little ditty. And yeah, I know. I mean, I know it. I know, the, I know the, the. Totally artsy, like one of the first art cars that she did to her own Porsche. Super cool. Okay. All right. I, I stand corrected. Bravo. Well done. <laughs> All right. Well, nevertheless, this is kind of the feeling that Scott's got right now. And so he's got a Paul limiter, $40,000. I don't know why everybody says, here's my budget, and then they just give me an extra five grand now just because they know I'm going <laughs> to blow that up. Because they know there's going to be – they just can't <laughs> stay by the budget. That's why they know, yeah. He and his wife are dinks. They're double income, no kids. But he does need this car to go to work around the city, 15,000 miles a year for mm-hmm. daily driver duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, Jacksonville does not have snow. So summer tires, year-round. Summer tires, all-wheel drive, not necessary. We're going to get some stuff done here for sure. All right. I did go shopping, Scott. I did find you with the $40,000 budget in mind, the limiter that you've given me. Okay. Found a 2016 GT350. Good. With 27,000 miles. It's in black. Love it. Love it. $40,999 at Dennis Sneed Ford. Hmm. You can go onto the website right now. You can find this car. It's great looking. Cool. And cool, you know cool. they'd take 40 flat. That's why it's yeah. priced like that. Yeah. Yeah, They'll yeah. take 40 flat and you can get a GT350. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. That is a lot of car. And if you yeah. like Mustangs, I highly recommend this car. It just completely agree. buzzes. Completely agree. It's, I've said it before how much I like this car. And I, and I will also admit I am not a Mustang guy. And yet that is in my personal top 10 mm-hmm. of all cars being made right now. The GT350 is awesome. You said in here, Scott, that you would consider a GT350 or maybe a Bullet. I actually don't think the Bullet is enough of an upgrade from your GT to be I agree. a worthwhile move. I'm not saying it's not different. I agree. I realize it's different. I realize it's unique, but it's not unique enough and different enough. Whereas the GT350, that is that is a once in a lifetime engine from Ford, and that is an angry, angry car. And you and the guys that know, you don't see those everywhere. You just don't. You're wanting to have something a little more unique. That is very unique and awesome in the in the Mustang lineup. Yeah. So, well, here's my headspace, Scott, and that is. 
I'm looking for cars that have a perceived higher value than they actually do. Which is what Todd and I love to find. My 928 was like that. It was an $80,000 car in 1988, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I bought it for nineteen five. And everybody went, oh my gosh, what is that? How do you have that? that? How how can you afford it? I was like, well, it costs less than your Accord. Yeah, exactly. I have that conversation with the Lotus all the time. Mm -hmm. Pull in in across from somebody in a brand new minivan. It's like, I hate to say this, but your brand new loaded out Odyssey costs more than my Lotus. Exactly. The dollar value perception is higher than Mm -hmm. what you paid. Totally. Porsches are very much in this category. Mm -hmm. Caymans. Now, I don't know if you want to go Cayman. I highly recommend Caymans, of course, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if that's something that you want after coming out of the 5-liter Mustang and looking at GT350s with the kind of power they have. I don't know if a Cayman's going to quite get you there because you're in Jacksonville. I mean, this is... True. I mean, you're going to want to hammer it across... The, the entire landscape. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering, is a Cayman right? Maybe not. What about a 911 that mm. puts you solidly into 996? You can get 4Ss. Yeah, you can get yeah, yeah. something good in there. But then again, I'd love to get you in a 997 if possible for that kind of money. Okay. I'm, I'm still kind of thinking I, I like M2. It, it's got a nice perception to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about forty grand getting you into an M2 right now, but if you wait just a I, tiny I agree. bit longer, I think, I think that's you could. When he starts talking used M2, and then he says forty grand, I kind of see a non-equal sign. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think we're close. We're close to that. We're close to it. Just you a, can wait, find them under fifty, bit. maybe forty-five. I yep. think actually shopping for forty. What the, the M2 that's forty right now? I kind of wonder if that's an M2 you want. Because that's like the probably the the extreme outlier. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I do like the M2 a lot. I, I so I stayed in this forty to uh, let's be honest, maybe forty five grand range. Because we're, if we're talking <laughs> yeah. used M2, we're going to have to probably be above yeah. forty. Some of my choices are below that. I'm mainly giving you drive homework, Scott, because I think what the M2 has done is broadened your horizons. And I think you'd yeah, be very happy sure. with the GT350. Sure. Though I actually think of most of the cars on my list, it would probably be the hardest car as a daily. Because Agreed. It's, Agreed. it's loud, it's rattly, and I, and I actually say that in this case in a good way. It's loud and rattly and raucous, and that might get tiring as a daily. I'm the kind of guy where it probably wouldn't, but I'm also not normal. I mean, I just went through mm-hmm. a snowstorm for fun and got all excited about the fact that I got to go drive in a snowstorm and everybody else was freaked out. So, I mean, I, I love clearly, that you're stuck in my driveway right exactly. now. Exactly. I, I am not a measure for anybody for what is a normal stick. So, uh, so there's that. Um, I, I think the M2 you would like because it, it is a car that can calm down and just be a nice cruiser. The GT350 never really does. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. there's that. Uh, I have a few others I want you to drive. Please go drive. The C7 current gen Corvette. Ooh. Because you can get those for 40. You might, you might start lusting after the Grand Sport, which is going to be out of your budget. Yeah, but a, that's but the problem. The We're base, right on the cusp. Yeah. We're right on the. The base C7 ah. with the Z51 package, that car for 40 grand is out there. You could get it. You would like it. Done. Okay. So a C7 okay. Corvette, you need to drive. He should drive the Cayman and Boxster. I, I don't. I think the 911 is he's going to be True. older. You should. I think the 911's out because to get into this money, you're going to be older than I think you're going to want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to get you in a 997. This is a hard find for yeah, 997. That's where I'm at. So I, I kind of feel like, and the 997 is the early 2000s. Uh, you can get a newer than that Cayman or Boxster. And you're in Florida. You might want the Boxster, but drive those because I think you'd be surprised at how much of those can be daily cars. Uh, we already mentioned GT350. Oh, here's one. BMW lineup. Less than your budget. What about a Z4M Coupe? Mm. You want unique. Mm. You like the dynamics of that M2. Let me get you back BMW's good hydraulic steering and a car you're just <laughs> not going to see very many of. No. And spend thirty grand. Hmm. This is interesting. Z4M Coupe. Go, see if you, can, if you can find one near you, please go drive that car. I think you'd thoroughly enjoy that car. And I think it is everything you're looking for dynamics-wise and still unique. And it's a BMW inside. It's a nice place to be. It has a fairly stiff suspension, but you're driving in Jacksonville, Florida on freeways. I don't think that's really much of an issue. So uh, I think that's, that's worthwhile. And then I have two wild cards, but... I'm going to stop for a minute and and come back to those. Okay. Well, I've got this other car that's a splinter in my brain for you, Scott. Good. It comes back to the conversation about the cars with a perceived higher value than you actually paid. Mm. You don't ever have to tell anybody how much you paid for a car. They'll ask. 
You don't have to tell them. You can just say, oh, well, you know, market value, whatever. <laughs> and that is a 2014 Jaguar F-Type V8S. I wonder if you go there. Convertible, 30,000 miles for 44.9. Now I'm tweaking your budget just a little bit. You did well, though. Jaguar F-Type. Yeah. It is unlike the Porsches and the BMWs and the Mercedes, true. which I'm sure Florida true, true, is true. full of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about this beautiful car? And the convertible... Mm. which is what Jaguar started with when they introduced the F-Type. Yes, true. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet for sale now, and they've plummeted in value. If you want yeah. the hard top and you want more of the driver's car The hard top it, with the six-speed, you got to spend more money. You do. Yeah. But here you're on you know, semi-straight roads. You've got the sun. You've got year-round yeah, sun, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. I feel like this car is designed for that because... You know, you're commuting a lot in this car. It's mm -hmm. not like track car, fun car, no, no, no. candy sure, car, primary. Sure. Yeah. He's putting 15,000 miles on. He's got, mm -hmm. spending a lot of time in this thing. Yeah. I'm looking at this thing. Beautiful. 30,000 miles. Supercharged V8. Are you kidding me? Five, and I the way it. they sound. They oh, sound fantastic. Yeah. You're going to cry yeah. every time you start this car. I think that might be the answer if he's willing to go that high. I actually wondered about those, but I thought they were just, they're just above where we are. They're but just they're, a but touch. They're, just a touch. They're, they're very temptingly just above where we are. I think that's a great. There's a great lot car. of them, well under forty five. A lot of them. They're yeah. over forty, yeah, yeah. but they're under forty five. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That's. I think that's Here's very. An F Type compelling. S Coupe with thirty three thousand miles for forty four eight. Ooh, that's tempting. Holy moly! That These have come down a lot. Yeah, they have, and I think. Wow. You know, honestly, I'll, I'll go. I'll go similar to that. Just now, thought of this. You actually, with forty grand, can shop Aston Martin Vantages. But but we're talking oh six though. That right? F type is going to be not only significantly newer, but probably because newer, much cheaper to run than that vantage is going to be for the forty thousand dollar vantage. True. So true. you're in, and you're in similar cars. The F type is very compelling. I have two wild cards for Scott. I okay. don't know that they work, but if he wants unique and a step up in the world, and he wants something different than he's had, I do think these both, for different reasons, are worth at least pondering, Scott. One, if you like the GT350, I thought of this. What about the last gen that it's existed? The last gen Camaro Z28. Mm, those have plummeted those too. Those have dropped in value. Very angry engine. It's it has the <laughs> angry personality of the GT350 from the Corvette uh, from the Camaro lineup. Yes, the it current does. The, watch yes, our our GT350 versus ZL1 current Camaro piece, and that current Camaro is lightning fast. You might even be able to find one of those that's come down enough, but it doesn't have like SS maybe it doesn't like have that. the crazy personality of the GT350. Whereas the Z28 has that and more. That's the one on the Pirelli Trofeo R's, right? The crazy bubblegum tires, yes, right, yes. That thing is crazy. We did drive it. You can go find our, our original piece with the Challenger Hellcat was against that Z28. It's a little bit older now, but th those cars were list priced for like sixty five or seventy. Were selling for eighty eighty five for the first six months they existed, and now forty grand. Just go buy one. If Scott gets that car, he's going to be trying to get it on with every other yes. car on the road. He but, is going to he's going to be challenging everybody. Yes. So this is it's and a, everybody's going to be trying to challenge him too. It's a wild card because let's be honest, it was designed as a track car and how much do you want to daily that car? Obviously, there were people that got them without the stereo and the, and the air conditioning. Don't do that. Uh, those cars are even cheaper because everybody went. Who wants to resell that? Nobody. But anyway, so Didn't that so owner like buy it for eighty or ninety grand. The one that we drove, he bought it for eighty. Yeah. They were the hot new they thing were at the, the moment. Brand new thing. Yes. Yeah. And then he sold it not long after we drove it. But anyway, side note. So wow. Z twenty eight. That's that's a that's a wild card. But there's one. The other the other wild card here is if we're driving these other things, you should go drive it. The Lotus Evora. Now, you can't get a 400. You can't even get one that's really, really new. But the 2010, 2011 range, Lotus Evora, maybe, if you're lucky, an S. But I think that is yeah. a special car that would feel special to drive and own. And it's not the Elise where it's crazy to get in and out of and, you know, it, it's just difficult to be on the highway. It's not those things. No. Did you so, say it had a $10,000 clutch change, though? Uh, be careful. Yeah. There is that problem. Yeah. The, yeah. There disclaimer, is that disclaimer. So, but again, wild card. The, this and the Z28 are sure. my wild cards for these reasons. I don't know that they actually get the get it answered, but if he's driving stuff, they're worth it to be on the drive list. I'm looking at a yellow one right here. The, just the regular Evora 2011 2 plus 2, 43 9. Which yeah. means they'll let it go for forty three. Yeah, they're out there. Oh, they're out there. I'm tempting you, aren't I? Uh, unfortunately, you are. That's money I don't have. Solar but yes. yellow, forty eight thousand miles, black interior, six speed manual. 
Awesome. Love it. Wow. Love it. This looks great. I, I'm not going to look at your computer. I'm going to avert huh. my eyes. But the Avora is very, this very tempting. Great. Yeah. Scott, thank you so much for writing to us. We really hope this helps. And yes, you do have some homework to do. I, I don't know that you need to upgrade. I mean, if you're really Mustang guy, yeah, go for that 350. Yes. But if you're looking for more experience, which I think you are based on, again, what you told us about your track day, mm-hmm. I think it's okay to expand your horizons. Say you come back to a GT350. Wonderful. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Say so you around. go off for a few years and yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you know, sow your Jaguar oats or whatever. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> or, Haven't heard that term before, wait. but I'm but embracing where, where you're going with it. I'm controlling my it. inner monologue. Yeah, don't do that. Sometimes that, I have that, trouble doing this that. This will instantly not be a family <laughs> podcast in a minute. Hang on. <laughs> Well, if you've got your own debate, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, and your Topic Tuesday there as well. Mm-hmm. We definitely are looking for Topic Tuesdays, fun stuff that, you know, could change, our opinions could change, but just, you know, fun stuff to it's discuss. It's those and random, like, bar discussions, and there really is no answer, but they're fun. And somebody's going to say, Supra versus Z4. I mean, that's the endless Topic Tuesday, the endless well, yeah. bar discussion, That's right? going to be the bar discussion yeah, of the entire automotive industry for the next six months to a year, so brace yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you can also find us on the website, everydaydriver.com, uh, the contact button under the About tab. Write to us either if you're buying cars, if you're thinking about buying cars. Love to hear from you guys. We are going to get to questions next, but we'll take a quick break. We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. We're back with so many, I mean, mountains and mountains of good audience questions. I marked more than I think I've almost ever marked short of our All Questions podcast. I want to get to those in just a moment. Two quick things, though, you should know. One, we have some videos of some changes coming up, some changes to the YouTube channel, some changes to our Patreon page. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, you can find uh, Seasons 1 and 2 as free on Prime right now of our TV show. Season 3 exists on Prime as well. Season 4 is coming. All of that business is there. American Original is playing wonderfully Thank you for the ratings everywhere and for sharing it with people. We're thrilled to have that out there and you guys responding to it. That is wonderful. One last thing to note. You are listening to our podcast, obviously, so you should know this bit of information. This is the number one way we communicate with you guys. The podcast above everything else. It's it's the most direct connection we have to you. And frequent conversation. I feel like we're having a conversation with everybody. We are in the process of headed down the road to some changes on the podcast. Now, last time we made changes on the podcast was about 18 months, two years ago. Think of them as adjustments. Yes, yes, Not yes. changes to and, format or things like and that. And we learned, we, yeah, it, it's behind the scenes adjusting, tweaking, It's behind like the that. scenes data stuff. Yeah. I, I'm only bringing this up because the last time we did it, you and I had a lot of stuff we learned. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when it came back out, there were weird episodes popped up out of order and just odd things happened. Right, right. So as a result, we're letting you guys know right now should something go completely sideways and there's not a podcast (laughs) one day and you're expecting one we probably noticed too and the way to to find out what's going on will be any of our social media channels we will keep you guys informed i mean if there's a disruption it'll be like a podcast okay sure sure. but i wanted you guys to know because we were talking about this as we're doing stuff and we just kind of got that little tickle in the back of our minds of what if Everything went really sideways for a day or so. Mm-hmm. So I just mm-hmm. thought I'd let you guys know because it's what happened when we had all our stuff stolen. We told you guys about it on social yeah, media because there right. was no other way to get the word out. So just if you're if you're interested, Instagram is actually a great place. We put a lot of really good photos on there. That's probably the best place to interact with us. But we're also on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We'll reach out to you in any of those, and you can reach us us all the time in any of those formats. Well, jumping into questions here from Kevin S on Facebook who says the new Supra seems to be covered in fake vents. <laughs> Why does this keep happening? Can we please start shaming the designers? Kevin, this actually has brought me to a headspace that I want to ask you and ask everybody listening okay. and ask you. I haven't even run this idea past you yet. Okay, great. And that is I do have access to designers because they're friends. They're yeah, former classmates. Yeah, yeah. I actually thought of an idea, and that is to ask them to join our podcast occasionally and talk about a particular mm. car that mm. has come out on the market. For example, Ian at, at Calty. He's okay. classmate, sure, sure, friend, sure. and I was thinking about having Ian on the podcast 
to discuss specifically the super styling so you're hoping and his to get, take on things. Are you hoping to get designers that worked on the project or designers from somewhere else to talk about somebody else's work? The first one, okay. the former. So the, the, To talk about their own work because knowing what they know, as long as mm-hmm. they can tell us things that is that can be released. That's the bigger question I have, yeah. yeah and yeah. knowing the company's perspe- perspective, because a lot of questions about the Toyota Supra and the new Z4 mm-hmm. have been, well, why did Toyota even do this if it's not a real Toyota? And my headspace is, what's wrong with getting a, a sports car again, a true sports yeah, car true. back from Toyota? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be thanking our lucky stars. I'm just yeah. thrilled they actually went forward and did Somebody it. Somebody made a sports car. That's novel, not you another know, CUV. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. But what about from a business decision or a styling change or something, or maybe they know more now that the car's out, they could actually kind of share some insight, not Maybe. necessarily from engineering, but from a design and how that integrates. And I was just thinking, it's just an idea rattling around in my head right now. And I love the get idea. Get them on once in a while. It doesn't have to be an, I a, agree. You know, a monthly I, I thing, you. but just, you. and I just thought of the Supra and get Ian on and just, hey, everybody is asking about this. Yeah, what can yeah, you yeah. tell us that is the differentiator? I love it. My concern, and, and I'm asking this concern out loud. There's not really an answer that I think we're going to get a, a, a real answer on. But my concern is, how candid are those folks going to want to be? That's the problem, because and then they're candid, speaking to media. How candid can they be? What NDAs and stuff restrict well, them from? Because I would love I would love to get a, you know, everybody here doesn't know anybody's listening kind of conversation. You know, like the conversation you would have because you know nobody's listening. Yeah. I'd love to have that kind of stuff with these designers on the podcast. But the reach is big enough now that that's not going to happen. So they're what, talking what to media, really but I feel like they're to talking to me because they know me. Hopefully. And by hopefully. virtue of that, they know you too. And. But it's a same, little bit further than just you're talking to media and giving the stiff corporate it is, interview. It That's is. That's not but, what I want. But at the same time, though, I have to wonder if those guys go off on a rant about, I don't like that we went down this thing, design, how hot does it get at their, at their office Monday morning? Yeah. I mean, if I were them, I'd be concerned about that. I'd so, be concerned, I too. I love the idea, but I wonder about the candor. We're, I, we're not going we to get the real story. We should try it either way. But I love, I'm just I, asking. I love yeah. I'm just asking because maybe they can share some thoughts. And yeah, yeah. There's there's always things that we don't know. We as consumers, mm-hmm. as an enthusiast, forget Todd and I being automotive journalists and media right sure, now. Sure, sure, sure. We're yeah. enthusiasts too. Yeah, for sure. But what I've realized is every designer and engineer at all those car companies are consuming the exact content mm-hmm. we are all consuming. Mm-hmm. The magazines, totally. the videos online, they're all looking at it too. Totally, yeah. They're just the designers of one car company aren't getting to drive all the cars we have yeah. that, that you and I do. Yeah, true. true Which true. is, and they come to us and they're saying, man, I'm so jealous of the guy, you know, job you guys have. Sometimes Going, they don't. You design the yeah, things. Sometimes they don't, they don't drive, drive the final product of the thing they design. Exactly. Which is, forget everybody else's cars. Exactly. The thing they worked on, they didn't drive. Which it's is all nuts. perspective. Yeah. Crazy. But I just, I thought maybe it could work. Maybe it doesn't. It's just, it's just an idea right now. I like it. I like it. Matthew on Facebook said uh, he's surprised that we mentioned that if a question doesn't get covered, they can ask it again. He thinks that's Pandora's box. <laughs> Ma- Matthew, that's been out there for a long time. You want to yeah. keep asking the question. I, I mean, look, I'll tell you the other side. There's some we might keep ignoring, but there are questions that have popped up more than once and we've answered them. So I want to answer yours real quick. Uh, and that is, would we ever consider doing a Fiero <laughs> versus MR2 review? I'd consider it if we had a proper Fiero that I wasn't agree so with beat you. down. The, the, the biggest part of this, Matthew, I would do it in a heartbeat because having a discussion yeah. about really cheap, you know, Ferrari-esque, if you will, look, looking uh, mid-engine cars that are super cheap, I would love to, to drive two if we could find – here's the hard part. If we can find two that are in great condition That's what I and like. that we can then still drive hard. Because right, the problem with right. a lot of stuff that we, that we get, I mean, when we get in cars, the Corvette film was all of this, okay? We got on all of those cars and just expected them to work. Now, we weren't trying to beat on them, but at the same time, we weren't apologizing to any of them and going, I'm going to drive this real soft because it's a car with a V8. I'm going to put my foot in it, okay? And mm-hmm. as a result, watch the Corvette film. See how that worked out for me. <laughs> There's a separate thing there. But but if we, a lot of times when guys have pristine cars, they don't want them dri- really driven, or you can really drive this because it's beat down already. Mm-hmm. If we could mm-hmm. find a really nice Fiero and a really nice MR2 from the 90s, like the early 90s ones, I would love to do this if we could find the cars. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, Lamar W. on Facebook asked about our thoughts on Ford's announcement to partner with Volkswagen. And he said, could this be the big short opportunity of 2019? Well, <laughs> I kind of wonder. I'd love to hear the story about who approached who. 
Was it everybody, you know, all the CEOs were at an event. They found themselves at the hotel bar late at night and, oh, hey, yeah, you're that guy. Oh, yeah, you're that guy. Yeah, I was thinking about this idea. What do you think? And there was, you know, lots of alcohol involved. <laughs> <laughs> or did the CEO of Volkswagen approach Ford because, mm-hmm. you know, they could make the case, hey, you're not having a lot of small car sales. You know, you're kind of limited to Europe. And we do great on small cars, but we don't do trucks very maybe, well. Maybe, yeah. And maybe it was Ford. Maybe it was Jim Hackett at Ford that approached mm. Volkswagen. I don't know. I'd kind of like to hear the backstory. But honestly, that's what it's all about. It's it's car manufacturers, and we're going to see a lot more of this. Yeah, for sure. As far as sure. the holes in their lineup and the holes in their business that they want to address but don't have the capacity or build expertise, the tribal knowledge, mm-hmm. to be able to go do that. You're not seeing Volkswagen build fully boxed frame rail, full-size pickup trucks. <laughs> They're just not. They don't know how to do that. And they don't know where those go in their lineup and who's going to yeah. buy them in Europe. Yeah, I take your point. It took Nissan and Toyota a long time. Remember the T100 truck that was just kind of almost there, not yeah. quite a real pickup yeah, truck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now that Nissan has their huge, giant, my neighbor has one, it's it's enormous. Yeah. It's Every bit as big as Ford and Chevy. The Titan. The Titan. And then Toyota's got their full-size pickup trucks. And finally, they're like, really? They need to be this big to compete in the American marketplace? It's frightening. It really is frightening. So think about that. It's going to be, hey, the the business decisions, and that's where we're going. That's what has been full of, you know, history is full of these kinds of partnerships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Companies, well, badge engineering is the big discussion, especially totally. with the Subaru and the Z4 yeah, right yeah, yeah. now. But the the holes in their business that they want to address, that they see growth, and here's a company with expertise mm-hmm. and capacity, and they're nearby, and we maybe share a supplier already. Yeah, and that's where that came from. They want to do it cautiously to hedge their bets. I just want to hear the backstory. Was yeah, it over here. You know, a good whiskey. What, what happened? <laughs> we got drunk and made business decisions. That always works out well. Chris Lawless asked a question on Facebook. He said, would we condone getting cheap tires to reach the limit of mechanical grip and learn how to drive, learn how a vehicle will behave? Now, there's two answers here, okay? When we took the drift course, that's actually part of season one. We took the drift course, okay? <laughs> Naoki purposely went in and bought terribly cheap Japanese tires. They were under $40, They I were think? $40 a piece. Yeah. And the guy was trying to sell him on the fact that they had a 60,000-mile <laughs> warranty, and he was like, no, you misunderstand. These need to last me six hours. <laughs> yeah, okay? exactly. So uh, I'm going to the cords in gonna, six hours. I'm going to answer this two different ways, Chris. If you were doing something like drifting, where you're just going to saw through the tire, why not go cheap? Especially, we're, we were learning to drift. What's it matter? We're just going to turn the tires into smoke. Mm-hmm. My concern with cheap tires, though, for your question is, I'm always of the mind that I want to have good, predictable grip. Summer, winter, track, back road, good, predictable grip. A lot of times, crap tires, or tires in general, one of the problems that I find is you want the tire to break away progressively. Mm-hmm. As it starts to go, you want it to give you information, and then you want it to not go with a weird snap all of a sudden, and now all the grip is gone. That varies not only car to car, but tire to tire. And my concern with a really cheap tire, now look, you could go to Tire Rack, that not an endorsement, but I love them. You could go to Tire Rack, and you could do a lot of cross-reference and find out people that may do this kind of thing and what do they think. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. a lot of times, a more expensive tire has a better breakaway point. When it starts to lose grip, it is more controllable. It's easier to get back. If you have a tire that snaps all of a sudden, you're going to have trouble getting it back too. This is my concern with the cheap tires. I think you need to get a good, decent performance tire anyway so that you gain predictability more than anything. Hmm. All right, continuing with the, the thread here of Team Effort Cars, Tyler H. is writing to us about... Our favorite unlikely partnership kinds of cars, Mm. the team effort cars. And though he hears it's all bad, he's got a soft spot for the Mercedes SLR McLaren. Mm. I'd like to get in that car, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, that's actually a great one. It's an aircraft carrier with gull wing doors. Well, yeah. Yeah. I I liked where the exhaust exited right behind the front wheels. You could land a Harrier jet on the hood. I'm pretty sure you could. Yeah. I suppose you could. Well, a lot of it had to do with manufacturing, like the Auto, Auto Alliance plant in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, they used to build probes and Mazdas and you know everything right there, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, one right after the other. But it was actually, for me, I've got this weird soft spot for what Chrysler was doing with Mitsubishi because of oh. the Eclipse. 
Sure. The first gen eclipse. Eclipse in the Starion. I mean, actually, yeah, it was the Starion before that. Yeah. And I, I just kind of liked the turbocharged. The Eagle Talon. High strung. The Eagle Talon. Oh, my god. Eagle Talon, the Mitsubishi Eclipse. Oh, man. Same car. Yeah. I, I mean, see it. There were many bad iterations of this yes. kind of idea. Yes, Chrysler sure. was really guilty with doing this because, you know, they would approach, I think, everybody to try to, <laughs> hey, could we get our cars better? The, the Maserati Chrysler LeBaron. Oh, there do you remember go. the TC? The, the is that what fork. you're talking about? That TC the, the by Maserati? The Pickle Chrysler LeBaron. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, man. I, yeah, I'm, I'm liking that, that uh, era, 80, late 80s, okay. somewhere in there. Uh, because Mitsubishi was at the height of their powers, just like Honda was in the 2000s and then, mm. or the early 90s. I maybe. see it. I mean, turbocharged, high-strung, all-wheel drive, awesome sports cars. That's what Mitsubishi did. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you've, your car is kind of the last iteration of that. Yeah, the last of when they were doing things right. And now uh, it's stuck in the driveway. It is. <laughs> it, it'll be <laughs> unstuck. But honestly, but here's the part of it. I didn't even tell you this. I love when the intercoolers packed with snow. Oh, yeah, it's all Pretty packed funny. with snow. When I tried to get out, I had to struggle with my door because the snow in your driveway was high enough yeah. that it was above the door. And I did that perfect <laughs> that perfect snow shovel thing with my right. door and just carved this perfect flat spot to punch through. Anyway, the problem it's is snow. I'm going to have to be the guy to push you out. It's and snowy here. Me in, yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be great. Yeah, all, all four wheels are going to throw snow at you. It's going to be great. Right. Uh, so two, two questions that relate. Ben Chin and Seth Klein on Facebook both mm. asking related questions. Ben's talking about insurance for a car you've modded. What do I do? He's talking about the fact that he has an E92 that he has modded out of class. Lots of really good stuff. He likes it, but he realizes these cars aren't worth much anymore, and his has got a lot of money in it. What do you do for insurance? Because obviously your typical insurer, if they insured the car, Mm -hmm. they're going to pay back what a current E92 stock is worth which is not going to cover Ben. He's starting to get nervous driving this car. That's his question. Seth Klein's question is also about insurance. It's about track day insurance. I'm going to send you one place for both, and that is Haggerty. And I say Mm -hmm. that because what Haggerty will allow you to do when you insure your car with them is they will actually allow you to add mods. Now, I'm not saying this is universal, but Haggerty is aware of the fact that we are car people and we do things to our cars, so they will allow you to do add-ons that relate to what you've done to your car. I'm not saying this is a direct one-to-one insurance thing, but compared to your typical insurer who's going to be like, why'd you change the exhaust? Haggerty at least (laughs) understands, I did this, I did that, it cost me money, that money's in the car, I need to get it back out. So see if that works for you. And then Haggerty is, is partnered with a company, and I don't remember it off the top of my head right now, Seth, but I've used it. For track day insurance, when we did our uh, meetup here in Utah, both of us got track day insurance. I think we may have gone through the same place. We did, yeah. Um, and they and it had the same form where it was like not only just the car, but then what mods do you have? Now, in the case of the Lotus, it was very little. But right, you could right. go nuts. You could build your track car for track day with all the stuff and, and actually insure it. Uh, track day insurance, I feel two ways about it. I think an instructor is always a better first choice than no instructor, your first track day, I got insurance, I'll be fine. Get an instructor mm-hmm. because That's the instructor is going to do a better job of not letting you uh, convince yourself you know what you're doing and helping you know the track. As you start to drive more, if you're really worried about your car, look, if I take the Lancer out, I'm not going to get track day insurance. I take the Lotus out, I think, yeah, I can't cover this. So I'm going to get track day insurance. So it kind of depends on your car and where you sit with it. But I think if you're just getting into track, spend the money on an instructor. Worry about the insurance later. Scott M. on Facebook is asking about asking us about radar detectors. Did you see uh, we just got a reply from Chad? Uh, he is a deputy sheriff Oh, I didn't here, see this, no. And Chad weighed in. He listens to the podcast while he's he cruising does, around, yeah. as a matter of fact. Which I love. Chad, thank you so much. And uh, Scott, read his response on there. I'm into radar detectors. Yeah. They give you two or three seconds in optimal conditions. Sure. Yeah. But as Chad has said, if the cops are using LIDAR or instant on, you're hosed. <laughs> they know about radar detectors. Yeah. That's, this is not yeah. news. Yeah. I hear <laughs> you. Is, you know, it's it's not a false sense of security and it's not a, a be-all, end-all. No. It just it gives you an extra little bit, but you're going to have to wade through all the noise of mm-hmm. the roadside signs totally, and the totally. electronic doors at the 7-Eleven and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But there are good ones. Valentine one makes, in my opinion, one of the best ones. This is yeah. an endorsement from personal use. Yeah, yeah, you've nothing loved it. more. You've had them for a long time. Yeah, I love them, and they have saved me a lot of money. On the other hand, I've still gotten pulled over, and I've still gotten tickets despite having the radar detector. Yeah, for sure. And as Chad for has sure. said, it does invite into the officer's mind the possibility that you're a habitual speeder, and now this device you're kind of leaning on it as a crutch mm, a little bit too much. Does okay. it actually affect you know his opinion of you know what went on? Maybe, maybe not. It just it's a personal decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm a big fan of them. I like them. It just gives me the heads up. Yeah, you you've had them for a long time. I've never been into them, but it definitely has worked for you. I see it for sure. Mike Wolf's got a track daily crush. Mm. It's a good one based on where we were talking before, uh, because of our car debate for Scott C7 base with the Z51 pack. Okay, which is v- how it should come. V8 F type. Oh, V8 Vantage. Oh. Track daily crush. Oh, that's hard, actually. Very hard. Oh. I actually think, I actually think, <laughs> if I'm doing my own maintenance, I'm crushing the Vantage. <laughs> if I'm not worried about the maintenance, uh, because the Vantage is going to be much older, I'm actually going to daily the Vantage, crush the F-Type, and track the C7. Oh. Is the F-Type a convertible or hardtop? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. So mm. let's just let's go hardtop, because both you and I would prefer that. Yeah. I'm going to drive the Jag everywhere daily. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic car. It's and a great car. Aston, I hate to say it, but I want a newer one than that. All right. Hey, I'll and take I, the I old track Aston the vet. Okay. I track the yeah. vet for sure, but I daily one. that Jag. It's a good one. Yeah. So awesome. Okay, so the question on Instagram from Ariopolis asking us what our forever car would be. Oh, ouch. Say we've been saving for several years. Decades. And the time has come to buy the car of a dream. <laughs> Millennia. Yeah. <laughs> the catch being, we have to drive it and maintain it for many years to come. A million miles. 300,000 miles. What would we choose? This would be the daily. Mm. This would be winters. The last fun enthusiast sports car you would ever buy. Wow. Would you get something new and spec it off the line or something vintage that knowing that mm. you know this is your main car? Would there be any mods? What would we do? This is wow. like having to do the definitive thing. I almost want to turn this into a Topic Tuesday because our answer might change in a week. I think it will change in a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's difficult, honestly. My initial thoughts, and you've, you've pegged me, all of you have pegged me already, it'd be along the lines of a 991 GT3 Touring or probably a 911R. The, the mm. 2016 911R that they sure, brought Sure, I back. see that. I see that, yeah. Somewhere in there, mm. I mm. actually am kind of falling in love more with the 992, despite my harsh critique of it when it came out. I'm kind of... I am not the tiniest bit surprised. Falling in love with I'm going to hold the line more. for a while until it convinces me otherwise. There's a few <laughs> things on that that I think are just un- kind of unacceptable for the new generation. Because I did okay. spec one out, as right. you heard in the beginning of a podcast. The, the cost of it was absolutely shocking. Sport yeah. design package fixes the car, everyone. Good news. Yeah. Well, if you spend enough money, you can make it whatever you want it to be. I don't know that I have a one-car answer for that because the concern I'm thinking about is the night I'm having right now, the amount of snow. What is the mm-hmm. car that gets through that? You know, because yeah. th- this would be the this would be the case where you do something like an Eagle E Type or a Singer Nine Eleven, where you just you go. This is yeah. the only car, so I'm going to yeah. spec it to be exactly what I want with all the things I want. I'm going to make it mine. You know, you do that thing, but then it's but, not good for. But then it isn't good for everything. Where you're forlornly parked. Exactly, it isn't good. For, the car's going to be fine. We should we, put we, a bumper we, sticker. This is not an abandoned car. Well, I just wanted to get out of the street enough that the uh, the snowplow is not going to take off <laughs> yeah. my back bumper, and then I'm fine. The good news is you're not stuck anymore. The yeah. bad news is there's only half of your car left. <laughs> exactly. The the half there's half in the street. The other half is actually out of the driveway too. It's great. Uh, so yeah, the, I don't know that I have an answer for that right now because the 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 issue there is the winter. Mm-hmm. It is. That's that's the thing that makes that really difficult. I would probably wind up, as weird as it sounds, I'd probably wind up in uh, a Lamborghini product really? because of all-wheel drive and still a sports car. Over McLaren. Well, but who's is McLaren making an all-wheel drive? No. See, that's the thing. That I, I would I would want to win or drive a 720S, but then there'd be some times when it's just like, I'm not going to get where I'm going, I don't think. Uh, but uh, I, I have a feeling that your, you know, your hurricanes of the world... They'd Let's just winter tire that probably, and go. Yeah. You know, here's a question huh, for hurricane owners. <laughs> all you hurricane owners, are of listening. which there are many. Here's the thing. <laughs> you know, all of them have got that nose lift. Mm-hmm. The axle lift. A lot exactly. of cars do. Of this. course, Porsche, McLaren, could you? They all do. Could you put winter tires? Oh, <laughs> is well. Let me put it another way. What's all the speed? What's lift. the speed limit on the axle lift? It probably has one. 
It probably does. It's probably 20 or so. It's probably can very you, low. Can you put winter tires on your Huracan and put up the driveway axle lift thing and just <laughs> drive around like that? Because now you got more ground clearance. You're going through the snow. You got it. I'm just thinking out loud here. So you're saying there's a rally, rallyfied, safariized Huracan? Is that no, what we're saying? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you've got the front lift thing if you're going to snowplow a little <laughs> less. Anyway, yeah. Safari Huracan. Wouldn't you know it? I'll wind up in the safari car after all I've said. Anyway. That would be funny. That would be funny. That's what you call irony. Uh, <laughs> I am the problem 28. Love that that uh, hashtag, by the way. or that. Oh, yeah. That I saw this. Avatar. He says, independent producers on Motor Trend. That's what we are. Does Motor Trend require us to take their notes for content? No, they do not. This is the, the very good news about being independent producers on Motor Trend, which, of course, used to be Velocity. They approved – how do I explain this? They approved the show. They know the kind of content yeah. we do. Right, right. They want us to continue to do that kind of content because that's what they've said. Yes, we want this on the air. The, the minutia or the specifics of what are the episodes about and how do we edit them as long as they come in the proper time. And by the way, that time is to the frame – as long as they come amazing. in the proper time, it's up to us, which is great. Love that. All right. Andy Lamb, 85. Hello, Andy. Asking for me, in a normal occupation, a person gets better as they gain more experience on the job. I saw this. <laughs> Best of luck on this landmine, <laughs> by the way. Well done. But is this true for designers? And he's saying some car designs are just ugly, and he can't help but imagine some of these designers are veterans. They've been around a while. Yes, you're right. So when they talk about lines, curves, and cohesiveness of the design, shouldn't these designers who know design theories know this as well? Mm. But yet, ugly cars continue to get produced. <laughs> yes, they do. You know what's surprising is I've heard of designers. I'll use Ford as an example because I was there as an intern. and There were older designers that came out with an amazing car later in their career. Mm, mm. And I was astounded by that, thinking, well, does that mean all your best designs are executed you know, early in your career, let's stop talking about design. Let's mm. talk about acting. Okay. Let's talk okay. about actors as they get older and they get better. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, from a design standpoint, it's a team effort. It's not, you know, acting is yeah. a singular activity. You're sure, sure, representing sure. you, but, you know, the design team, yes. It's mm -hmm. led by people's taste and meeting design briefs and all those things that we don't know about that mm -hmm. influence the design. Maybe it's engineering on that car. Maybe it's just a facelift yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. we didn't have good bones to start with. And we were told to refresh the front and rear faces and yeah, you know, that's about yeah. all we could do. Yeah, for sure. You're for sure. right. That happens. Mm. And believe me, the designers are kicking and screaming, but they've got to be in some cases kind of put down like, well, that doesn't take precedence. <laughs> Yeah. But then there's other car companies mm. that mm. do take more seriously. But to influence the design, that means spending money. Think about the A-pillars and everything that is around your feet. The, yeah. The, yeah. Right in that area. Mm -hmm. That is a crash structure. That has to mm -hmm. be crash tested. Mm -hmm. All your HVAC controls. That's where the yeah, engine, generally speaking, in a lot of cars, the engine meets the passenger cabin and yeah. all the yeah, electronics yeah. are right there at the firewall. Obviously different for mid-engine cars, but that's the most expensive area on the mm -hmm, car. Mm -hmm. Remains to this day. Yeah. And to make a change, to drop anything, you have to re-crash test that to get better proportions, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So you might be stuck with whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know, you're stuck with these H points and that header and mm -hmm. everything. And you have to design something that still matches something, but then, you know, squeeze it onto the package. Can be hard, and sometimes the results are not always successful. If you want to see that in action, look at Panos. Absolutely, the Panos cars. You know, it's it's a private company making their own sports cars. They always looked a little odd proportion wise, but it's based on the Mustang. Mm -hmm. Or look at the Hennessy Venom, based on yeah, the Lotus, that's Lotus a, Elise. That's a great one. In both cases, the reason those look a little oddball is because they took a pre-crashed test. And correct me when I'm wrong here, but a pre-crash test body shape, essentially, and they didn't change the firewall because mm -hmm. that was crash tested, mm -hmm. and they kind of built around it the to Mustang. build another car. That's why they got yeah, around the it. Yeah, the Panos had the Mustang. So, uh, yeah, that kind of makes things look a little weird sometimes. Yeah, it's absolutely because of that. And veteran designers are screaming. But now we come to the brand-new platform that is the Alfa Romeo Quadrifoglio, the, the yes. Giulia. Yes. It's a brand-new platform. Mm -hmm. Looks great. Mm -hmm. They got it so right. Blank sheet of paper, yeah. It shares nothing with any other car, to my knowledge. It's a clean, standalone chassis. 
from which they're going to build more cars. Yeah. But they've got a great beginning there. They Relates to the more. Stelvio, but before that, it was just blank sheet. Yeah, you're right. It's just let's make the Julia. I'm pretty sure great. it was just yeah. fresh, fresh chassis. Very cool. You don't get that opportunity all the time. Yeah. Especially in a design team. And you've got people's egos and their feelings on what is good flavor and that looks good to my eye. And, and politics. And, you know, yeah. all those kinds of things yeah. are in influencing and pulling on a car. And you can definitely tell which companies are putting more weight on that. Mm. Mazda is. They're mm-hmm. doing such a great job. And you can definitely tell. But believe me, the designers continually want to refine themselves, get better, do better. A- absolutely. But that's not always possible. Jason Mustafa on Instagram. He's about to fly out of state to drive his Fiesta ST home. Nice. Jason, congrats, man. That's awesome. So it's been a dream of mine for a while. He says, I'm excited to have my Fiesta ST and to drive it home. He's asking us recommendations for the road trip. Jason, first off, huge congrats. I'm excited for you. The big question here, and I struggled with this when I when I bought the Lotus, you know, seven, eight hundred miles away in, in Los Angeles and drove it back. What I really wanted to do is what I'm going to recommend to you, but I did, frankly, not have the time. The question I have for you is what kind of time do you have? How far are you coming straight line, and what kind of time do you have? Because the number one piece of advice I'm going to say to you is get off the freeway. Mm. Mm -hmm. Look at your route. Find places that break off the freeway to do weird little squiggles you may never drive again and drive as many of those as you have time to do. I did one. I wanted to to literally not be on the freeway the entire way home, and it was like a two-day trip, but I said, can't do that, but really wanted to. So I drove on sure. the freeway for a while and then got off and did like two hours of a back road. It was the best part of the entire trip, and then got back on the freeway. But the most you can be off the freeway, I think the happier you'll be. Okay, looking at Yisun, question here on Instagram. What makes a car to have short front overhangs like the E46 BMW? Wouldn't sports cars benefit from short overhangs as it's easier to go up a driveway? Absolutely. Pushes those wheels out to the corners of the car, yes, and I think it makes it look better. Mm-hmm. There's very few cars that I love long overhangs. I mean, you know, the 60s cars, the Cadillacs, yeah, yeah. they're fun and cool, but the overhangs. So what that's called is ramp angle, mm-hmm. and that is the term that designers use for breakover is where, you know, kind of right in the middle where the car would get beached. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's a yeah. breakover angle yeah, yeah, there, but it. then ramp angle is at the front and rear. Absolutely. It gives it better proportion. I think they handle better, and you can you know, go up steeper ramps. Look at the original NSX. Think about the tail of the original NSX. Mm-hmm. That's got a lot of overhang. Yeah. Honestly, it's got enough overhang that McLaren would call that a long tail. That's Seriously. True. It's just Very it's crazy. True. But, but that's where your trunk is. Yeah. Very true. Uh, Charlie in NYC says his wife drives a Buick Encore. I love <laughs> I saw this. this. Which means that sometimes I drive a Buick Encore, and he's saying, okay, there's no good way to say this. It has his description now, Herculean understeer. He cannot <laughs> handle driving this. And he's like, uh, uh, why is yeah. it that I, as an enthusiast, can't seem to find anything fun about this? Is this his problem? Uh, look, Charlie, I'm going to say this to you. There are cars that are just not fun to drive. And that's okay. I don't want people to rush out and buy them. But they exist for a purpose. The the Buick Encore is not intended to be fun to drive. It's intended to be a people mover and to meet a market segment. Mm-hmm. Okay? Sure. So it isn't sure. fun to drive. You're allowed to feel that. You're allowed to think that. It's not just you. I, Herculean understeer is a fantastic description that I may work my way into some car at some point because that's really great. <laughs> so hats off to you there. Uh, but, yeah, it's – it can be written off as unfun. But look, I'll give you the other side of the equation. Sometimes you can find a situation where you're in one of those cars and you can't believe what you're getting out of it. But those are few and far between. I drove a, uh, a Corolla as a, as a loaner car for a while, and I just hated it every day. <laughs> I, I heard about this, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I heard well, the hate. You guys did as well. Uh, I drove a Prius that we turroed in Los Angeles, and I hated it every time we commuted in it, but we ended up on a back road in it, and I hooned it mm-hmm. trying to not hold everybody else up, and I think it was the fastest the car had ever been driven. And i, I got to be honest, I was a little proud of myself. <laughs> it, wasn't, it, it was the difference between being fun, which it wasn't, and accomplishing something that surprises you, which was actually the fun part so there are those options but but charlie it's not a fun car your wife likes it that's okay (laughs) all right there's a question from devin v asking with the Supra out now what other cars would we like to see make a comeback after a long hiatus i reserve the right to continue adding to this list by the way if i think of something later in podcasts i reserve the right to add my list here starts with the porsche 928 i want another 928 I'm ready for that. They've got the ingredients. They've got the style. Yeah, yeah. Ready for that. 
GT car. Subaru Brat needs to make a comeback. <laughs> you have an inexplicable interest in the Subaru Brat. <laughs> and not the stupid four-door Brat that, that they tried to bring back. That is very that funny. You want the rear-facing the seats rear with the handles, one. don't you? Yeah. With the jet uh-huh. fighter jump that seats. That is very funny. Yeah. That's what I want. That's that's going to pass. Uh, pedestrian crash safety <laughs> and everything on. else. Of course it will. It's going to be fine. Well, if fine. you think about it, motorcycles in general, if motorcycles didn't exist till today and some somebody somebody says, thought it up you know motorcycles are the thing good luck ever getting would, those legislated yeah. and passed and would legal. never have passed it's the ultimate grandfather vehicle Absolutely. for sure yeah. okay so the ford bronco is coming back we know this we're mm-hmm. ready for that yeah chevy k5 blazer come on the new blazer yeah. is yeah 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 the new blazer not is doing is it. a badge on something that's just another cuv yeah yeah uh, I think the Pontiac Solstice needs to come back. Like it. In a new like form. It. I agree with you. I agree with well, you. Well, the Pontiac badge, the nameplate could come back because in the 60s, they were actually, they were different engines. They were a different car mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. They just got merged and yeah. smoothed over and, you know, folded into the big company and then it went away. That could be the name of the, you know, the Corvette lineup we talk about now. That could be the name of the base Corvette. I mean, bringing Pontiac back wouldn't be a bad thing. I don't think it's going to happen, but it wouldn't yeah. be bad. It'd be okay, nice at least the Solstice. Yeah. A new Honda S2000? Yeah. Yeah, we need yeah. another one of those. The S3000 or whatever it would be. Yeah, whatever. The Mitsubishi Evo needs to come back, please. Yeah, it's what it's going to be, the Evo you know, SUV thing. Yeah. That they try to carry the name on, but yet it isn't. Yeah. Outer Space Trek, whatever the... Outer Space Trek. I don't know. Mitsubishi Outer Space Trek. Yes, <laughs> we're lost. That's where my list stops for right now, okay. but I'm thinking like of more. I, Like I said, I want to add more to this list. There's, there's a lot more cars to come. Uh, Russell wrote in on Instagram and said, he drives an undignified car. When he dresses up, he kind of feels like <laughs> his car doesn't match the occasion. What is the tuxedo of cars? And I actually had a thought. Mm. I had this thought. This is the random place where I actually think, I can't believe I'm saying this, really expensive SUVs with off-road capability like the Land Rover, Range Rover, and the G-Wagon makes sense because that can be covered in dirt, beat up, etc. this morning, and you can get it detailed this afternoon, and you can take it to the opera tonight, and it somehow looks classy. This was the mood board for the Rolls-Royce Cullinan. Yes, except for the fact that they wound up with the Rolls-Royce Cullinan when they were done. Did. And the name. Mm -hmm. You know, is this a men's warehouse tuxedo, or is this an Armani (laughs) tuxedo from, you know, on the red carpet at the Oscars? Like, what kind of tuxedo are we talking about? It all depends on budget. You know, if it's me, I'll be lucky to get the men's warehouse one to work. Anyway, yeah. I mean, do you add the extra optional for the cummerbund, and you're paying more for the... Yeah. Because if so, I say a Mercedes S-Class is just hands down a tuxedo. Yeah, I can see it. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just expensive. They're nice. They're comfortable. They're fast. Mm -hmm. They're capable. They're... Brilliant, mm-hmm. amazing cars. S-Class. Yeah, okay. All right. I don't even think the 7 Series holds a candle. I see what you're saying. Because it, it, it walks that line of being a car that is a perfectly acceptable livery car, mm-hmm. like you got it from the limo company, or you could drive it there yourself, and it's classy either way. It's just interesting. Always point. classy. Yeah, I, see it. I see it. All right. For last question from me, Jay Doherty, 787, asks the most annoying driver trait. Uh-oh. But this is going to be a, like a 20-minute conversation. Keep going. <laughs> How long do you guys have? Example, when it barely sprinkles here in L.A., he sees drivers with their wiper speeds at max. No, 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 no. It is not the wiper speeds. It is the sun visor that's always folded down, and drivers oh. are always driving around with the sun. I don't know if this is an L.A. thing or mm. a worldwide thing, but when you see drivers driving with the sun visor folded down, they're deliberately cutting half of their windshield off. Yeah. They're cutting their view All the off. Time. All it's made only for when the sun's in your eyes, folks. That's for when it's to be used. The rest of the like time, it. fold it up out of the way so you can see. I, what's the problem? I like it. I like it. Evil Tangents, Dale wrote into us, and he had a, a difficult question that I think I want to leave it with. Track, daily, demolish. <laughs> One of these three is going to be destroyed. The other's going to be daily, and the other's going to be used on the track. <laughs> Laguna Seca, the Nurburgring, and Spa. Oh. Which one are we daily driving? Which one are we using as a track? And which one are we demolishing? Oh, kind of hard. Very. The daily for me is the Nurburgring. 
I, yeah. I, I want I, the Nurburgring could be my driveway. I just want to drive that all the time. <laughs> Can you imagine? I was just here. You, know you didn't what? tell me you lived you, right there. You, you know what? You, you know made what? me now drive I'm all the way around it. it. <laughs> I would so love to do the ring in the winter and the snow. I oh would so gosh. love to do that. That would be amazing. It would just be fantastic. Never going to happen, but it'd be awesome. Nurburgring would be the daily, but mm, demolishing one of those other two tracks is really difficult. That's hard. It's hard. I actually, mm, no, I, I think Laguna Seca gets killed. Really? I think so. Really? I like it a lot. Spa is longer and better. Mm-hmm. Of all the tracks that we've driven so far, Spa is my favorite. I know it is. You have a soft spot. We haven't driven all the tracks of the world. There's no, no, a zillion. No, not at all. Not at all. But Spa is my favorite. I love that track. It's an amazing track. Laguna Seca is a fantastic track, but Spa's just better. I think I'm with you. I'd, I'd like the daily ring thing. Well, this is, why, this is why Sabine Schmidt is so great. Yeah. Her family. I mean, a lot of her. She's naturally talented and she's of course. tenacious as well, yes. by the way. But, I mean, if you've ever heard her story, as soon as she could drive, when she went out for milk... Mm-hmm. Literally, she would do half the ring and then get off at the halfway point that's in the other part of town. Yeah. I mean, it was just she used it like her driveway. So by the time she was actually trying to get in the seats to drive at the ring, it was like, yeah, I've driven this track. <laughs> what was the milk like when she got back? Uh, frothy. I don't know. I have no idea. All right. Yeah. I'm not sure. It was a latte. All right, guys. Thank you a million for your questions. Really. You guys have knocked it out of the park. This is amazing with, so much with your questions. And yeah, we really enjoy this stuff. Again, with your debates and your Topic Tuesdays, please write, please write to us. And then all the, the questions that we've just covered are on social media. It's just kind of immediate things on your mind, yeah, newsworthy sure. kinds of things. So really, really appreciate it. We will definitely tell you when the new content drops for season four on Motor Trend Network. And then you will let you know when that populates to Amazon Prime video as well. Absolutely. Looking forward to next time, everybody. Cheers.